Well, hello, and welcome back to another fine, scary episode of Ghost Stories Told from the South. I am your host, Stephen LeBooth. I am here to scare you, tell you some scary, scary stories. Tonight's episode is very, very special to me. This is episode 90. Yes, it is. Episode 90. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy, guys. Episode 90, man. I never thought I'd get here and still be doing this. I, you know, you guys keep me going. I want to say thank you for listening and uh, thank you for just always subscribing and downloading and liking and just thanks a whole bunch, guys. And uh, thank you for the YouTube watchers. If you're watching it, hit that subscribe button right now. Show me some love. Um, yeah, guys, you guys are awesome and great. Once again, last number, last week, uh, last month, my numbers came in, and I got uh, over 200 downloads again. So that's uh, occurring every month. So thank you, guys, because it's crazy. I'm getting anywhere from, I don't know, sometimes it varies, you know. But I'm getting some pretty good downloads, I think, for a little old guy like me doing these stories from a little old, I'm just a little old country boy doing this, guys, from little old town of Mineral Wells. And people all over the world listen to me, and I think it's great. So I want to give a shout-out to everybody who listens and in, in every country, man. Thank you a whole lot. Well, I got some good stories for you. Tonight, it's just going to be me winging it, so I hope you enjoy it. And uh, screw it. Let's get on with some scary stories. Okay, our first one is the Screaming Tunnel in Canada. Yes, this tunnel screams. When you go up to it, it will... No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, yeah, let's dig into it and see why they call it the Screaming Tunnel. The Screaming Tunnel is a small limestone channel running underneath what once was known as the Grand Trunk Rail Line. Now it's part of the Canadian National Railways. It's located outside of Niagara Falls, Ontario, just off Warner Road. The rough-cut tunnel constructed in the early 1900s is 16 feet high and 25 feet wide. It's a, you know, it could be a tight squeeze for a locomotive uh, old-time train to get in there, but it could. But it'd be re- <laughs> I bet you it was really tight, though. Often thought of as a rail, uh, railway tunnel, in reality it serves as a culvert to do uh divert water blocked by the rise the RR tracks away from the fields the water would flow the would follow the the water would follow the stone passage under the uh, rail bed and when dry the channel was used by farmers to move goods and animals safely under the activity of the railroad line Oh, so it's big enough to... Okay. So I bet you that might have been a hideout for a lot of bandit, bandits and bad people to, you know, rob people, kill people, and be just jerks. Okay, the story... Go, uh, the first story is... The story... The story goes that the tunnel is haunted by a ghost of a young girl. 
She escaped from her burning farmhouse or barn located at the south end of the tunnel with her hair and dress on fire and died within the tunnel walls after losing a losing a race to douse herself in it in its water. So she's trying to get to the water and they say look for a small hill and a path that leads to where the girl's home was. The structures gone are the structures are gone now, but they say if there's a path right there you can follow it. Several offshots of the legend exist locally. It's a, it's an oral lore and versions do manipulate over the generations. The most passed along plan B tale has the girl being set on fire by her unbalanced father, encouraged after he lost custody of his children during a, a bitter divorce. Uh, they say uh, this version is supported by the paranormal, seek paranormal seekers when they investigated. In its, uh, in its setting... He set the house ablaze and then ran down the ran, uh, then ran down his fleeing daughter, catching her at the tunnel, where he where he splashed gas on her, and and doused her and, and doused in the girl in, in flames. Another version claims that a young girl was raped inside the tunnel after her body uh, burnt to just. Uh, uh, she was raped and then her body was burnt to destroy any evidence of the uh, <coughs> rape or anything. You know, or evidence of uh, whoever killed her. The most outrageous is a story of a girl who was kidnapped by a butcher and was held, held captive in his house near the tunnel. She escaped into the tunnel where the uh, butcher chased her down wearing his pig mask. At any rate, he caught up to the girl and set her on fire. So every story, it seems like on this one, it ends up with that girl being in a fire. But it uh, always ends the same with a haunted tunnel. If you go into the middle of the passage and light a wooden match, it will be uh, put out immediately by a puff of wind and then followed by the haunting screams of a victim it is a good spooky sight it it is always cold and it is always cold and too desolate to see uh, uh to see either in from the middle at night so basically you can get to the middle of this tunnel at night and you really can't see either end that's fucking creepy see i don't know if i can handle that I don't have the balls to walk down that tunnel at night by myself. I'm just not going to do it. Hell to the no, no, no. Ain't going to do it. Okay. Uh, the tunnel was uh, the tunnel was eerie even to be used during the filming of David Carpenter's 1983 film Abduction of Stephen King's The Dead Zone. A highly uh, a high com complete in Indeed, as with most local legends, this isn't anything to uh, calibrate detail like a juicy newspaper article. It has been said that they, that the girl and her family 
are buried in the nearby uh, Warner Cemetery, but without a name, it's hard to hang a hat on the uh, tidbit or we, you know, to find out if it's true or anything. Uh, the last little bit we got is okay. Well, I think that's it. So, if you're ever up there around Canada, go up and see the Screaming Tunnel. See what it's all about. Report back to me. Yeah. Okay. We're getting ready for our next story. Okay. All right. Ready for the next one, ladies and gentlemen? The next one is the Dark Hodges Road in Ireland. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Northern Ireland. Okay. Uh, first off, uh, it's a road called um, Dark Hodges Road. It is a it's a road that leads to a big old mansion that's been there for years. It's changed changed hands several times. It was a golf course, <coughs> but this is like the main road to the place. Well, it's uh, haunted and it's called you know the Dark Hedges Road. And here's the story about that. This one's going to be a little short and sweet. It's really not that long, so. And once again, there's a uh, famous woman that's in this story that's in a lot of them. I'll give you a hint. It's a lady. A female, a female, a female figure is reported to have been seen gliding along the road and disappearing after the la after the last tree. The woman. In white or white mist has been reported on a number of occasions. Huh. The woman in white. Told you. Told you I had a surprise for you. It's not known who the uh, wandering lady could be. But there there are a number of possibilities. One, uh, Some believe it's that she is a member of the Stewart family. Possibly Margie or cross Peggy as uh, she was known she was the daughter of James and Elizabeth the original builders of the property and then another believe that it is that she could also possibly be a servant girl that went missing under mysterious circumstances or maybe a lost soul from a, a nearby forgotten graveyard Nobody really knows about this lady, but she always appears. See, I told you, another lady in white, man. Was it always going to be the lady in white? Why can't it be something else? <sighs> okay. Yeah, I told you all that was a short one. And this episode is probably going to be pretty short. I'm sorry about that. <coughs> Excuse me, this week was very, very busy, and I didn't get my uh, research, enough research done in time, so that's my bad. Sorry, guys. But we got another one coming up, and let's uh, dig into it. Our next story is the Sash-Covered Bridge. 
located in located in a stretch of Pennsylvania Avenue. One of its most historic covered bridges is also one of its country's most haunted. Looking at the preserved bridge, one would hesitate to call it haunted, as it looks like something out of a Thomas Kincaid uh, painting. Sash Covered Bridge is a Gettysburg-designed Pennsylvania most historic bridge. In 1938, it... most historic bridge in 1938 and also on the National Registration of Historic Historical Places. It has a quite a uh, it ha, it has quite a storied history and possible haunted history too. Mm, excuse me guys. I brought a coke in here to drink and kind of slammed it and it's starting to give me the give me giving me the bubbly. Before it was haunted, it was a bridge built in 1852. Sass Bridge is a town trust bridge, which is a lattice-like bridge, almost 10 years old. It became an important bridge during the Civil War. On, on July 1st of 1863, the bridge was crossed by one, cor- uh, one corpse of the... Uh, Union Army marching towards uh, Gettysburg. Gettysburg. Just four days later, much of uh, Robert E. Lee's army would retreat back over the bridge after the Union victory in the Battle of Gettysburg. But not every Confederate soldier made it safely across the bridge. Rumor has it that three Confederate soldiers who had attempted to desert during the the Gettysburg battle were found and cut and cut here. Perhaps even more interesting is that is that there is another rumor that these alleged Confederate soldiers were not uh, deserters at all, but spies. Although neither story has been totally uh, vericated, many people who have had experiences at the bridge report uh, seeing seeing this stuff. The uh, Fire scream! They hear the fire, the screams of the people that sound as if they're being wounded and killed. And others have reported seeing full-bodied, uniformed apparitions of these soldiers. Even more mention filling uh, cold spots and even seeing a strange dark and an unexplained mist. The bridge is like... This bridge is like many bridges in America, especially many covered bridges. Uh, Haunted. What makes the bridge so haunted? Why does every town, big, small alike, seem to have some sort of uh, haunted bridge luring just out of the uh, city limits? In folklore, bridge... uh, in folklore, bridges often serve as an important importance in stories, where devils make deals, where trolls live, and especially where ghosts lurk. I mean, ghosts lure. It is because we come too close to being washed away should a wood plank give out or a car f- uh, fell on top. Is it because the uh, lure and the cause of the... Uh, you know, suspicious mind wanting you to check it out. 
Water is also believed to be an important aspect of the paranormal and uh, paranormal activities. Water is, as many known, a wonderful energy of uh, energy conductor. Now, although that's uh, provis, provis use is useful in our uh, daily lives, it is important to think about everything in uh, context. Probably, many people believe that the paranormal entities and happenings are energy driven. So many, uh, driven, so many, many experiences take places near bodies of water. There is also a belief, if you uh, believe in any of this at all, that this energy allows entities to travel more freely. Hmm. Well. That's about it for the bridge. But yeah, it's a spooky little bridge. Might go check that thing out at night if you're ever around Pennsylvania. That looks pretty interesting. All right, our next story. Let me get it lined up, ladies and gents. Okay, the governors and... Okay, well... I got two more stories left, you big old slicky people. Let's uh, get ready for our next one. Our next, dang it, our next one is the Governor's Bridge. And the Governor's Bridge is in Bowie, Maryland. And it's not in uh, use anymore. The Governor's Bridge crosses the pattern. Patanext River, and it's currently closed due to structural and safety concerns. But that doesn't stop ghost hunters from visiting the century-old hotspot. Have you ever heard of the Tale of the Crybaby Bridge? The popular legend spans across the entire country, with dozens of towns laying claim to the original haunted bridge. According to the story, decades ago, a teenage mother became overwhelmed with depression and threw both of both her, her and her newborn over the side of the bridge. If you visit this, uh, if you visit that spot at night, you can hear cry, a crying. And if you are brave enough to look into the murky water below, you may see the floating body of an infant. Pletikripe. A similar tale is associated with its spot includes a, a ghost car. Locals claim to have uh, witnessed a car plunge over the side of the bridge only to have it disappear into the uh, thin air seconds later. We just think how many accidents have probably been on this old bridge. I mean, things have been there for probably ever, you know. And more local legend, and a a more local legend is that of the Goatman. Now, the Goatman story is around a lot of towns in America. I think there's even one here in the town I I, I live in. Okay, this half goat, half man hybrid is said to be the result of a DNA DNA experimentation at the nearby Bestville Agricultural Research Center. A scientist dabbing in goat DNA accidentally infected himself 
becoming a mutant creature with a thirst for blood. He sets to roam the uh, area with an axe in hand, chasing after cars that dare approach the bridge at night. Ew. No matter what you believe or not, go check it out and then see what you believe. I don't know how I would handle that one. That one don't seem too bad, but I don't know. Like I said, I've really never fully seen anything and just stared at it for a couple seconds. Just anything I've ever seen's always like went past me or in the sky and kind of went by real fast. I've never really had something just where I can study it and be like, oh, shit, what is that? <sighs> okay, we got one more story, guys. Let's see what it is. Okay. This is the all the air type yeah, the air type bridge in Illinois. Okay, here we go. Airtight Bridge is one of the Oh, Airtight Bridge is one of the Cole County's best kept secrets. Lo located along the all tight the airtight road, it is the uh, only direct the only direct route between the village of Ashmore and the uh, unincorporated towns of Bush of Bushton and Raiden. The local uh, the location is isolated and most people do not come do not come upon it by accident. The bridge itself is interesting enough, but it was a gruesome discovery over twenty five years ago on the uh, banks of the Embrus River that really uh, ignited the local uh, irrigation, all the local uh, Im Im the, the local legend of the bridge started. Since that time, visitors have returned from nightly uh, expo exposures with many unusual tales of uh, unusual tall tales to tell. Locals say the uh, Locals say the bridge is the bridge earned the name airtight because because of the unnatural stillness occurred while crossing it. Designed by Claude Claude L. James, all right airtight bridge was built in 1914 by the uh, Decatur Bridge Company. Thanks to the remote remote, uh, remote location, it became known as a drinking spot for local teens and students from Eastern Illinois University. Otherwise, the bridge, which uh, even... Whoa, that don't make any sense. Otherwise, the bridge, which even 30 years ago was described as old and creepy, had a pretty uh, mundane extents. In, uh, in 1981... It was added to the National Registration of Historic Places on account of the event 
aggregation and engineering. Excuse me. Okay, where was I? That event was the discovery one year prior of a nude body of a woman floating near the bank of the Embrass River a few yards downstream from the airtight bridge. Because the body was missing its head, hands, and feet, the uh, murder investigation becomes no- became known as the airtight Taurus case. Or airtight torso case. That's fucking crazy. So they found a body floating, but it had no hands, no feet, and no head. Well, think about it. They did that so they couldn't see who the person was. Wow. Okay, because the body was missing. Okay, although many de- okay, although many many details of the case have been forgotten, the event itself has not ever been forgotten. Wow. Okay, and I guess that's this is a person telling a uh, story that happened to them. It was a pleasant Sunday morning on October 19, 1980. William and Tim Brown, two brothers from rural Urbania, were on a deer hunting trip when they <coughs> looked when they locked the uh, road down to uh, airtight at around uh, 11 o'clock. As they crossed the bridge, one of the brothers noticed something unusual in the uh, shallow waters of the embrace. So they pulled over to the side of the road, and at the same time, a local uh, farmer named Victor Hoggins was on his way to assist his son in digging a well. Seeing both the man in the uh, particularly decomposed remains, he stopped and joined William in going down to the river's edge to take a closer look. The two quickly Okay. The two could hardly believe their eyes. Victor sprang into action. He drove home and then called the sheriff's department. Daryl Cox, a deputy on the at the time, was the uh, fi- was at the firing range, and he got the when he got the call. It it took him nearly twenty minutes to navigate the back roads from the uh, Charleston to the uh, bridge, but he was uh, fam- familiar with the route because he was one of the sheriff's deputies. Uh, that's one of the routes he patrolled back in the day. Recalling his first impression of the crime scene, Mr. Cox knew that the county sheriff told the Daily Eastern News, I could tell from when I got there that the body was missing its head and feet. I remember when I first saw it standing on the bridge and didn't look like it didn't look like a person. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just a torso with nothing. A police, uh, as police uh, taped off the area and the crime scene and word spread out of the discovery, reporters and television crews descended on the remote location. P- 
police worked into the evening using scuba divers to scroll the river for clues, but the missing body parts, which had been severed fairly uh, clean, were not where they were never found. Oh, man. The case of the death was also never determined. Well, yeah, you don't know. I mean, it's hard to tell. If she got shot in the head, you won't know. If she got any harm in the head or something, you wouldn't know unless they did bodily harm, and apparently they didn't do a whole lot of that. Okay, which had been uh, severed off. Uh, Where was I at? The cause of death was never determined because the body was so messed up. Uh, The doctor describing the woman was being in her uh, 20s, rather uh, flat-chested, not in the uh, habit of shaving, but 5 feet 9 inches, weighing around 130 pounds, with dark auburn hair, with dark auburn hair. Then he decided that she had not been dead more than a day or so and that she had been killed somewhere other than the bridge. Her remains were immediately shipped to the Springfield to be examined by the uh, pathologist, Dr. Grant. Grant Johnson at Memorial Medical Center. But he was unable to uncover anything uh, bad. And the doctor's examination, he determined that the woman (coughs) had an uncommon A-positive blood type. She uh, did not have any major scars, birthmarks, or tattoos. The... That might have given a clue to uh, who she was. Nor was it easily to determine the time of death. Aside from trace of amounts of aspirin, there were no drugs, poisons, or alcohol in her uh, bloodstream. And there was no evidence of rape abuse or anything like that. So, Jesus. Without the, uh, head, of, without the head or hands, and without any... Uh, Embrasions on the uh, body, it was impossible for the coroner to determine what really happened to this woman. The investigation heralded the uh, determination of the blood type was an important clue in the case, and that in a case that was uh, rapidly uh, going cold. Well, they do say in them cases, if you don't get any good hard evidence within the 48 hours, you pretty much lost the case. You ain't going to find out who really did it. Uh, Okay, around the river. Where was I at? Uh, Okay, where was I? I lost my place. I'm sorry, guys. I lost my place. Oh, well, then they went and they uh, checked the, uh, okay. Okay, they went and checked the uh, missing persons report, but failed to uh, come up with any leads. By Thursday, October 23rd, the sheriff's department suspended the search for clues in and around the river. Because apparently this person knew what they were doing. Nearly Nearly a year after the 
body was discovered. The unidentified body was led to laid to rest in Charleston Mount Cemetery under the name Jane Doe. Those who uh, remember this case occasionally traveled to her grave and uh, left flowers or other tokens of her of their uh, sympathy. Finally, in 1992, 12 years after the discovery of the body, there was a break in the case. On November 20th, the Sheriff's Department held a press conference in Charleston this time to announce that the uh, identity of the uh, airtight victim had been, uh, oh, they have found out who she was. Her name was Donna Amara Raiden Small, a resident of Bradley, Illinois, who disappeared from her home a short time before her remains were found over 100 miles away in Gallus County. The uh, revelation was that the result of a corporation between Coles County, with cooperation between Coles County Sheriff's Department detectives, <coughs> <clears throat> and a uh, art uh, guy or a art person. Uh, what they did is they got someone to sculpt the person's uh, kind of sculpt her, her head kind of go. Well, they did, I don't know how they never mind. Anyways, they found out who it was. She was a resident and she was a, a, that was a hundred miles from her home. Uh, of course, they was cooperating with a, uh, all these counties and got the information and all that. And the reason that no one who matched the description of the body found in the airtight turned up in the missing persons reports was that Donna was never reported missing. Her husband told police he wasn't uh, at all that concerned because small had left home on occasions before Oh, so basically, he killed her, and he got away with it. That was just, yeah. So, I hope y'all enjoyed, oh yeah, and some of the ghost stuff they say. Of course, on this one, they say if you uh, go by with your headlights on, you'll uh, see a woman's uh, body floating in the river when you look over. And sometimes if you uh, stop, your car in the middle of it and get out and look you'll see a body and you'll hear a woman moan sometimes i mean think about it she could have been hacked up out there and then thrown over or she could have been hacked somewhere else and then just whack that's crazy that'd be that play it's go look up some of these bridges i'm talking about because they're way out in the middle of fucking nowhere i mean out in the sticks so you know that um <clears throat> these people are, uh, I mean, the bridges have a lot of history with them, with wrecks and stuff and stuff that has went on through there. I mean, whew, that's crazy. Sorry that one led on, but that one kind of interested me because there was a murder, a murder tied to that bridge. And that's why I was on because a lot of these bridges, there's not whole, not a whole lot of hard evidence of why it's haunted or something. So, yeah. Well, guys, I'm so glad you stopped by for the ghost stories told from the south with your host, Stephen Booth. I hope I didn't scare you too much tonight. And just remember, go by. I remember we're on Spotify, iHeart, Pandora, uh, 
We got a YouTube channel. We're on Facebook. Go check us out. Message me. Um, uh, that's pretty much. I mean, we're pretty much anywhere to, you can find a podcast for the pod for our podcast now. So come and check us out, guys. Like I said, if you're listening to it on YouTube, hit that uh, notification button, subscribe button, and you'll get everything we get. Like bam, right on demand. Yeah. So you guys be good. Don't get too scared. And yeah, go. Uh, if you get a chance this weekend, go walk around. Go check out some abandoned stuff or take some creepy, spooky pictures and see what you get. But this has been Stephen LeBooth signing off from Ghost Stories Told from the South, guys. This has been episode 90. I'm pumped. 10 more, guys. And I've been here a year. A whole year. God damn. No, not it. That's two years I've been doing this podcast. Mm, excuse me. Wow. Well, I got you guys to thank for it, though. So, But we will see you cool cats later. Don't be too scared now. Bye.